Hi, my name is Marcus, and this is a companion podcast for the CG Jung Helpdesk Meetup Group. I host live events on Zoom every two weeks about the concepts and ideas of the Swiss psychologist Carl Gustav Jung. Every event I give a presentation about the Jungian concept, so have fun with this event's topic. Good. All right. Thanks, everyone, for joining for today's events. The topic is all the books, which is nicely unspecific and specific at the same time. My name is Marcus. I started this group and do events every two weeks, provide them now also in podcast form for those who cannot always be there. The topic is about Jung and his life and all the books that he has written because they are very closely associated with each other. So the first book I'm going to show to you is his autobiography, which is a pretty great way to start called Memories, Dreams, Reflections. And it's a kind of autobiography. He has not directly written it uh, himself, but he had help from a young lady who basically talked to him and she wrote it down and I think he did some additional editing. So he has written it pretty late in life, which means there's a huge focus of his later part in life, especially as he traveled more there. He traveled to India and he traveled to Africa in his 50s and his 60s and so on. And those were all very important experiences for him. So he talks about a lot his early life as a child because uh, there were a lot of experiences for him especially in dream form that were let's say giving direction to his life and already started certain themes that would go on for him over his whole life it's very good it's get recommended a lot so there are like three books that always get recommended and this one is very high to get into Jung because he already explains a lot of concepts and how he came about Understanding his life helps in understanding his work. The biggest part of his work that's available, that is uh, Collected Works, which is a collection of 20, 21 books, depending on how you count them. Those are all works that were directly written by him. So it's books, essays, introductions, letters, books of different sizes, big books and small books. This was planned roughly in the, I think, 40s, 50s starting in America. So they get basically organized his text in English first and then started to have German and Italian translations done in accordance to that. So he has written most of his stuff in German because he was Swiss, but he's also written a lot and give a lot of seminars in English. So this is one big part. And this is collected works that are existing already now for a long time. A couple of years ago, over 10 years ago, there was a Philemon Foundation or still is a Philemon Foundation that wanted to publish all the works that are not included in the collected works because there's a lot of stuff, especially seminars, which he has not really written down himself, but he had students taking notes. And out of these notes, they created the books. And the seminars are very, very, very good. And I will get into that more when, when I show you the book, especially um, as when you're interested in dream analysis. When you read the collected works, there's very thin information on that. So the most information about dreams and dreams analysis comes from his seminars on these topics. So you have the collected works, which are in a kind of chronological order. When you see the books, uh, they are um, starting with his earliest works, but later the chronology gets a little bit mixed up. And his ideal approach and his wish for readers when they want to experience Jung was really go through the work in pure chronological form. This means the way he has written it 
to see his different stages and his different conclusions that are building on top of each other. A lot of Jung is building. So he has three very big blocks uh, in his life, and I mentioned this a lot because it's important. The first block is very psychoanalytic, where he's working as a scientist, as a practitioner, as a professor, creates his friendship with Freud that then breaks down and leads to his second part of life, which is the collective unconscious with the anima and the animals in the shadow and all of these concepts. And then it goes over into alchemy, which is an incredibly big block. Uh, you will see other books on alchemy. So I will start with the collected works. I will start with the very first one. It's called, I have to look up because I have some in German. This one is in German because the German, German books are often cheaper. And it's called Psychiatric Studies. And this is really the, the earliest part of his life as his creative writing life, where he is a student in Basel, writes his PhD thesis to become a doctor and to become a practitioner. And it's very interesting in the sense that you have already there all those building blocks and themes he is interested in. He has a niece who is a medium. So he was used in seances to give spirit talks or talking in different tongues and speaking in the voices of dead people and so on. And he really observed this. He was studying psychology and he tried to understand what was happening because it was a huge craze back then to have a medium and to ask questions and so on. And his niece was very proficient in that, in the sense that she would completely change her character, her voice and all this. This he studied and wrote his PhD thesis about. And there are already those breadcrumbs of the unconscious, autonomous psychic forces, this connection also to mythology and also to the occult. As Jung was incredibly open for everything, Freud was narrow in his mind and religion, occult, everything was humbug. But Jung really saw in everything that was a human product in any way or form, doesn't matter an indication how the psyche works. And this he used for his investigations. So this is pure psychoanalytic written articles, academic papers, where he's building his career. Because he has a career, he has an academic career. He studies, he gets his PhD, he becomes also a professor, starts to lecture. He works as a psychiatrist in Burghausley, which was a well-known clinic for people with mental illnesses. And this he all uses to build and expand his knowledge. And this was the first book. This is now the, the second book, which is called Experimental Researches. And here he already starts to develop his own methods. Psychology back then is pretty much the Wild West. It's a new field, very new. So everybody involved you can get to know and talk to, and everybody is still alive. He also tries to get up with his own methods because nobody really knows how to measure things, how to theorize things, and so on. And he creates this device called the association test, which is giving people a word and get their reaction. And he would measure the time very accurately. We would have a very accurate watch and write it down how long a person is, it takes to give a reaction word. And he has a list of 200 words. By giving this list and collecting the reaction times, you would find out that certain words would take longer to get an answer to. And he would have a standardized list so he could compare now people 
And you would find out that this reaction time was not an accident, but rather it was a topic that was hot in the unconscious of the person. So they became distracted. The word back then was to have a complex, which is something like a little gremlin in your mind that acts autonomously and hinders the consciousness and its natural flow. And he would let the people also repeat the words. And that was, would be the very cool thing. He would re- do the whole list, get the reaction words, get the time, and then he would repeat it. And the really interesting thing was when the people did the second run, the words with the longest reaction time, they could not remember. Everything with a short reaction time, they would say the exact same word. But in the second run, long reaction time, they would say another word. So they could not remember what they have said. So his indication was there was something saying something in them that was something else. And it was through these studies that he also came into contact with Freud, because Freud developed at this time his theory of the unconscious and of complexes and so on. So Jung immediately was on board with Freud because he could prove what Freud was talking about, and he could now explain what he could measure with his patients. And this was all developed also in his time in Bukowski. Also, the third book of the collected works called Psychogenesis of Mental Disease happened there a lot. So let's say two-thirds, three-quarters of the book are, again, papers, especially about schizophrenia and psychosis and neurosis and hysteria and all this. So all those mental diseases that would prevent people from acting normally. And he would have a very different approach and thought process, which was new with psychoanalysis to say people are still people even when they have psychological problems. The thought back then was when you have problems uh, like schizophrenia or psychosis, your brain is damaged. That's a very materialistic view. So the brain is damaged, so you can't do anything. They would lock people up and it would be horrible conditions. And he would say, it's no wonder that all those people have psychological problems. Even normal people in these type of situations would develop problems very, very quickly. So the whole approach changed around this time to put people in facilities that are better served and that were clean and where they would get good food and so on and would be taken care of through this new psychoanalytic approach of the talking therapy. That means to take the person seriously to let the person talk and try to understand the person. And he would write down a lot of his thoughts and approaches about schizophrenia and so on in different papers and publish it. And this is a collection. And the interesting thing here is, and I think this is, makes this approach of the collected works better than Jung's original approach by having in this edition the topics clustered in single books, because here you have also his final thoughts close to the end of his life about schizophrenia and what it all meant and how it connected. So you get a history of his thoughts, how they originated and how they were after 50, 60 years of practicing. And his psychoanalytic journey is well documented in this fourth book called Freud on Psychoanalysis, where it is a very interesting journey about the development of Jung in regards to psychoanalysis. As he starts very flaming for this topic, because he thought, okay, there is something. Some, finally, someone found something that is of value and explains a lot. And we're still talking about Freud today. So Freud was very, very important for that time. 
and very important for psychology and therapy and everything. And Jung always felt that in the beginning. And he has a lot of flaming letters defending Freud and psychoanalysis and everything. And this was before he met Freud. So when he met Freud, they became very close friends, worked together, they practiced together, they went together on journeys to America to give talks there and seminars. In the book, again, you have this journey of Jung, which means in the beginning, he is completely for it. And with the progress of the book, his mind and approach changes, which means he becomes more critical. He points out the flaws. He says where Freud is wrong, where psychoanalysis is not enough to explain certain things and phenomena. So you already slowly feel away the drifting of Jung away from Freud. And this brings us to the end of this first big block of Jung's life. And the second block about the collective unconscious is brought in by this book. It's called Symbols of Transformation, finally an English book. <laughs> and this book was really the end of the friendship between Freud and Jung as he would go into all the stuff that Freud didn't like. So he would go into mythology, religion, occultism, spirituality, and so on, to have an alternative explanation for how the psyche works. And he sent this book to Freud, and Freud wrote him one letter back, basically saying, okay, yeah, I see you're going now your own way, and yeah, you can do what you want. But this practically ended the professional academic career of Jung. He stopped lecturing and he became a little bit like a pariah because he was this crown prince of psychoanalysis. This was very well regarded. He was supposed to bring psychoanalysis into a new generation. Freud was 20 years older than Jung. So Jung was the young guy who was supposed to take over and bring psychoanalysis forward. But he broke away. So also his some friendships ended and his opportunities ended. And he stopped teaching and had this, let's say, midlife crisis. He was already in the late 30s. And he did not really know how to go on because he always had this feeling that he only followed a system like psychoanalysis. And he was a student and he was learning and so on. But he wanted to bring in more of himself and his interests and build his own foundation. And the Symbols of Transformation was a very, very important part of that. The original name was, was different. Uh, I think it was Psychology of the Unconscious or something like that. And only later he revised it in life completely. And this is a revised version that you get mostly today, where he streamlined it based on his later experiences. He then had a pause where he would, he didn't write so much because he had a very important experience. This was right before First World War, where he would get visions and have very hallucinatic experiences. And he was very afraid that he was going crazy and said, Oh, this is ironic. I'm a psychotherapist and I now have a schizophrenia. This happened right before World War I, and there were visions about Europe and blood and a lot of corpses. He thought he was going crazy. Until the war started, and he said, okay, yeah, I saw something, I experienced something. This is a little bit like a prophetic vision of the future and what will happen. It didn't help him in the situation back then, but as soon as the war started, he understood it. So he really went into his own unconscious to 
experience it and to document this. I will talk about this later more. I will continue now with the collected works. As his next book is a very famous book of his that's pointed to how Jung is a scientist well regarded in psychoanalysis because he wrote over eight years called Psychological Types, which is a way of describing types of people and how they interpret and experience the world. For example, extroversion and introversion are both words of Jung and concepts described by Jung. And he talks about further functions, thinking, feeling, sensation, intuition. And this book is very thick and also very well researched in the sense that he goes on for over 100 pages in the beginning, going through different personality models that existed before. He talks about Schiller. I think he talks about Aristoteles. And he finds always those two types of persons that are described. Ah, they have these ones and these ones, right? And he uses this as a basis to bring his own explanation, to bring all those different personality models together, which is extroversion and introversion. And this is a very interesting approach. And he's been practicing at this time already psychoanalysis for a very long time and doing therapy on people. So he used this as a basis to describe those different functions and combine them. So what, what is an introverted, intuitive, and an extroverted sensationist, and so on. And very interesting book. And this is a singular book. So the, the collected works, some books are singular books, and some are collections. So, so Simmons so Transformation is a singular book. Uh, Psychological Types is a singular book. The other books I had before are rather collections of his works because of were on papers. But this he wrote after his interesting episode of his unconscious talking to him. And there follows another very important book in regards to his psychology work. And this is very often used for training people for therapy and so on. It's also a good introduction into Jungian psychology and his concepts and views. And this, is, this book is called Two Essays on Analytical Psychology. And this is really, let's say, more of a handbook, what therapy is about, how a therapist should be, how the relationship between the therapist and the patient should be. So it lays the groundwork, how the rules should be according to psychoanalysis or even analytical psychology, which was the Jungian twist on psychoanalysis. So psychoanalysis has this extreme focus on uh, sex and he shows a different approach. He said there are more forces in the psyche that are important and that push people outside of sex. And this is a very good introduction how his ideas and concepts are. And the next book, which is the eight, if you're counting, is The uh, Structure and Dynamics of the Psyche. A big book again. And it's a collection. It's a collection of different essays and of different introductions he wrote and talks he gave and so on. And um, they give a very good feeling about how the structure of the psyche that he's envisioning inside is working. So what parts are influencing each other. I really took out a lot of it because I had, did not read the books all in succession as here in the collected works but rather i picked out singular books and then jumped a lot 
And here he really goes into what he means with this libido concept. And this was the main thing I took out of it, how he thinks the psychic energy, what it is, what it does, how it manifests, how where it goes into. So this is really useful, I think. And there are some books when you have these singular books that are pretty difficult to understand because Jung himself, I think, is not such a good writer. So when you have a book, he has chapters, yeah, he structures it in some ways, but very often he jumps from concept to concept. So he mentions something in a side note, then moves on. He likes to let concepts interact, but he does not completely explain concepts. There are only single books that really deal with this, or even chapters that deal what he means with a specific concept. And he has a lot of concepts and they interact in a lot of interesting way, but they are distributed very finely throughout the collected works. So I can only understand certain things because I read everything, because you pick up a letter here, you pick up a seminar here, there you have a book introduction and you just have these very simple sentences that go into, oh yeah, and this is this and this. And all right, yeah, of course. And just by collecting this, you suddenly start to understand it. So this is pretty good because it's rather short essays and introductions and so on and talks he gave, which are better. I think he was a better talker than he was a writer. But I guess it was also very difficult to write about what he's been writing about because it's such complex topics. In here is also the book Synchronicity. And this is also a very difficult short book but gets a lot of attention, especially when people are interested in astrology or spiritual stuff. They're often very familiar with synchronicity. That would be for that book. And we are still in the second block of his life. We're still in the collective unconscious. And he has this book, The Archetypes and the Collective Unconscious, which is a pretty good book. So you get what's in the package. <laughs> it's very direct. You get everything I talked about the last event about what are archetypes, how they work, how they manifest, how they can be experienced. So it's very spot on. And he's also talking a lot about individuation, which is his idea of how a person develops as a person in their lives and how the psyche changes over the lifespan. So this is already a good introduction, which has good chapter pretty close to the end where he has a female patient who has trouble in her life she's already in, in her 40s and she's very smart but she does not know really what to do and one thing that Jung very often did with his patients especially in this point in life he let them draw and very often these people were not artistic in any way they have never done something artistic they said it's not important that you draw well but rather draw where you have the feeling what you want to draw so people would start and then get more and more ideas. And these pictures would have a very special value for them. And he followed her and uh, had her as a patient for many years. And in the back, there's a collection of all her paintings and how they develop. So he shows these paintings and explains on them what happens in her psyche and how it was changing through individuation, through exploration of the unconscious. So, very good book. The next one is one of the most famous ones, which is Ion, which is an incredibly difficult book. So, the first chapter is great. It's amazing. When you want to have an introduction into Jung, the first chapter explains shadow, anima, animus, self. It's very straightforward. 
This book was written pretty late in life. He published it with 76. I think he worked on it for 10 years or so. It's really this exploration, as even says on the cover, researches into the phenomenology of the self. And he goes further than, let's say, this second part of his block. Um, so this second block of the collective unconscious and pushes into all the alchemy stuff. So while the first chapter is great and you can follow it pretty well, after it starts talking about these ions, which are, let's say, time periods where the collective unconscious changes. So not only the individual psyche changes through time, but also the collective. And he saw that as represented in astrology and the stars as a representation of that. So not the stars influence the psyche, but rather there's something in the psyche that projects itself onto the stars. And so he's talking a lot about how Jesus is a fish. <laughs> this is almost the whole book where he tries to explain what happened over 2000 years ago and how the mentality shifted based on this shift of the ion into fishes and what this meant psychologically. So it's difficult to get into because it's a little bit hard to get the concepts. And also there are already some alchemy stuff that makes it difficult. So alchemy, it's a third block and the big last block of his life. And you need to understand practically everything that happened before to get into alchemy. That's my recommendation. The next book is Civilization and Transition, which I thought was great. It's another collection, similar as the uh, dynamics, structure and dynamics of the unconscious. And here something is a little bit weird. Normally, the English books are rather cheap and you want to get it from Jung, except, except when you want to get these collective works. So when you have something that's famous like Ion or Archetypes and the Collective Unconscious, those are famous, those are cheap. But when you want to get those collected works in English, they're very expensive. They cost like 80, 90 euros. In Germany, they cost 20 euros or 25 tops, which is a little bit strange because I really like them because they're collections. You have shorter essays, shorter talks, some seminars, and they are very, very good to at least talk about one concept only. When he gives a talk, he mostly talks about one concept when it's a short talk or when he has a book introduction. It's mostly about one concept. That makes it easy to get into these concepts because you now have finally a short introduction, something that's missing a little bit from the overall collected works that you don't really have this dictionary. Except for, and this I didn't talk about, in psychological types, you have in the back a short dictionary where he talks about all the terms that he's using in the book with a short description. And this is great. This is amazing. So when you read, or should you read, psychological types, be aware that's in the back. It's a dictionary that can only help you out to quickly get into terms and understand what he's meaning. So you have a lot of amazing short books in here. You have Modern Man's Search for a Soul, which also gets recommended always very highly. You have Earth and Soul, which I really liked and thought it was a great introduction, but I never hear it recommended anywhere. And you have a book about UFOs. <laughs> <laughs> UFOs. He investigated this because he was really interested in everything which is a product of the psyche and product of culture. So he went into it and tried to understand the psychological reason for UFOs, which is just a fun exercise. 
to experience. One of his ideas was that Earth is getting overcrowded. So the people are looking into the stars as a way to escape the overcrowded Earth, <laughs> which is kind of funny because he had five children and in his lifetime, a minimum of 19 grandchildren. So, and he's concerned about overcrowding on the Earth, which is a little bit hypocritical. So, like, okay, what did you contribute that the Earth does not overcrowd? But it, it was a valid concern back then because medicine got better, uh, nutrition got better, people had a lot of children, and suddenly they all survived. So, a lot of changes. The next book is, oh, wait, I want to say something again because this, I really like this one. When you have the chance, civilization and transition, because he tries to connect it to modernity. He talks about a lot national socialism and what he thinks happened there because he saw it live. He experienced World War I, life. He experienced World War II, life. And he says that he saw already years before the Second World War certain patterns in the dreams of Germans that concerned him a little bit and that started to happen more and more. So this is interesting. It's called Wotan, like the Nordic god. And highly recommend this book. The next book is a collection again, and it's about the psychology of East and West. He was very interested in religion because religion is very old. It's full of symbols. It's full of stories. And it gives indication how the psyche works because he sees culture as something that comes from the unconscious, the collective unconscious, and helps people to navigate these psychological perils that can come up. So it's about the West and the East. He contrasts those a lot. As he said, they are both a side of the same coin. So they work differently, but they are connected in a way. What a lot of people who are interested in Jung are not, are not aware about is he was really interested in Christian religion. And he talks about it a lot, really a lot. And he's a fan of Catholicism in the way that he says that it works in a therapeutic way. He saw that, um, and this was his idea, that the need for psychology came up only with the downfall of organized religions in Europe. As he said before, religions in all ages had a way of supporting people psychologically, but when that fell away, people were suddenly alone with their psychology so, and their unconscious. So the experience of the unconscious only came up when suddenly it became an issue. And he said the mind, the consciousness of civilization changed in a way that these old symbols of religion have lost their value and they have to be now rediscovered in a different frame of mind. This goes again in, into ions where just the basic way how the psyche functions is changing. So this is psychologically as the youngest science, as he said, is to fill this. And he explains this a lot in this book, where he, I think, rather talks more about Western religion than Eastern religion. But it's very interesting to get this contrast of him consciously. And he's especially not a fan of importing Eastern religion and symbols into Europe because he says it's too far away from the cultural understanding. Uh, maybe it's different today, but back then this was all very new and like fancy and people didn't know a lot about it. So they started to project all this other stuff they had inside of themselves into it, which was not really there. I think it's also a great way to start. 
as he yeah talks about a lot of that uh, stuff that's familiar that people have knowledge about and one book especially in here is very very interesting and famous it's answer to job let's say a psychoanalytic explanation for this story of job and how he got punished by god and what this tells about God. He was very interested into the God image. He said he can't talk about God himself. That would be metaphysics. But he can talk about how humanity has talked about God. And this is very interesting book to basically give God a psychology and try to explain it in context of this story. Pretty famous. So I'm always looking around for meetups, talking about Jung. And the most meetups I can find that are not strictly Jungian meetups are about book clubs that are talking about this book answer to you so and we are slowly leaving the second block and we're moving into the third and here we have psychology and alchemy which was the very first book of jung that got published in america there's still a huge let's say fan base of jungians and this is already exploring alchemy with all its strangeness and trying to explain it in psychological terms. And he saw this really as a well of knowledge and something that was not really tapped into because he said the problem with alchemy was it was the beginning of chemistry. But all the chemists, of course, dropped out all the weird stuff and symbols and ornaments and what is associated typically with alchemy. And he said psychology has to take alchemy because it's a cultural product same as religion, same as mythology, and so on. But it's a modern mythology, he says. And his thoughts are very interesting, and he talks about it endlessly, and it's very complicated to get into alchemy. I can recommend every time you have a book about alchemy and you want to get into alchemy, read the last chapter first, <laughs> because the last chapter is like a summary, and he tries to bring everything together and show the concepts behind it. Before, he talks about a lot of alchemical treaties, what people have written about alchemy, or alchemists. And this is incredibly dry and hard to understand because it's all weird and it's very contradicting. And it is easier when you know where he wants to go to in his investigation. This is why I'm giving you this tip. Read the last chapter first and it will make your life easier. But if you really want to read everything of Jung, there's a lot of alchemy, especially in later part of his life. And here's the next one, a chemical studies, which is dry. It's really dry. It's just investigations into alchemy <laughs> and a lot of treaties. And he sometimes repeats talking about the treaties. There's not so much alchemical stuff in the world. It seems like he tried really to collect everything and write about it. And yeah. Uh, here, I, I really suffered. There's a lot of pictures. They are interesting, but it's alchemy. He talks about a lot of it. And this brings us to his magnum opus of his late life, which is Mysterium Conjunctionis, which is a Latin title. And it's an incredibly thick book. And he worked on it a very, very long time. And Ion, which I showed before, was originally part of this, but Ion became so big that he made it a separate book. And yeah, so it's interesting, it's weird, 
read the last chapter first. There are some very interesting things in it, but it will take a lot of effort to get through. I, I promise you, I pushed myself really to get through this. But interesting, very interesting. So the last books, the next three books are rather short. Here we have the spirit in man, art, and literature. And this is a collection of thought, talks, and essay he has written about other people. For example, Julian Joyce, he was the guy who wrote Ulysses, very thick book, hard to understand. <laughs> and he had one which I found very interesting, and it was about Paracelsus, who was a Spitz medical man. And he lived roughly in the Middle Ages, I think 16th century, something like that. And he broke with this very old tradition of medicine to have those four fluids and letting off blood and all of those stuff, which are more, let's say, we would say superstition. And he was the first guy, Paracelsus, who really started an empirical approach about medicine. And he hated all authority. He hated all formal education of medicine. He said, you can learn everything you need to know from the sick people and the sick bed. And he would run around in his working clothes that were full with blood and vile and everything. And he would burn the, the books <laughs> from the ancient Greeks, uh, which were taught. So he really liked that. And of course, Paracelsus wrote some alchemical stuff. But this was really a highlight for me in this book. The next one is a little bit closer to a psychoanalytic work, which is the practice of psychotherapy. And here he talks again a little bit, like two essays about uh, analytic psychology, about the way how therapy should work in his eyes, the role of the therapist, and so on. I think this was rather good until the midpoint. And here he pulls a rug pull. And it's about alchemy. I, I don't get it. I read it and I thought, really, really? And I read all this alchemy stuff for, for weeks and months before. And then I read this book. I'm so happy to read finally something else. And then he writes about alchemy. Yeah, so yeah. it doesn't stop. And the next one, development of personality, where he talks about a lot what would call today developmental psychology. So about children and how children develop when they're very small, puberty, and then when they get older, and what happens with consciousness, because the consciousness grows. A small child is very unconscious. It doesn't have will. It can't control itself. It's pure instinct. From moment to moment, it changes. And through this, the ego gets established and around it, consciousness. And he describes this, the influences also through family. So he writes a lot about children. And also in Archetypes into Collective Unconsciousness, it has this whole chapter about the archetype of the child. So this is very interesting book, how he sees also how child education should take place and what's important. And one very important giveaway was for me, he already said it's more important what you do than what you say. So it means you, you have to be a well-formed person to educate a child because the child can see through you, basically. It can pick very easily up all the stuff you have not taken care of. So I thought this was a very good book. 
And we're coming to the last real book of the collected works. So the very last, it's a bibliography. So all the works he has referenced in those other books. And the one before, number 19, is like an index. When you're interested in a certain topic, you can look it up in the index and it will give you which book, which paragraph. By the way, the paragraphs, they're all numbered, which is interesting. Everywhere you have here. And they even match each other in the different language versions. So when you have a paragraph in an English book, you will find the exact paragraph with the same number in the German book with the German text. So that's pretty cool and must have been a very big effort. So, but book number 18 is a collection and it's called The Symbolic Life. It's so big that in Germany, they split it up into two separate books. And I read this one last of the collected works. It was interesting because this again has a chronology inside of itself. So it starts in the beginning of his working life and it ends pretty much close to the end of his life. And in here are already seminars because most books I've shown you yet, there isn't a single seminar in them, I think. He's given a lot of seminars. He taught his whole life. But in the collected works are not really seminars because he has not written the seminars. Only the written stuff is in the collected works that he directly has written himself and or edited and give his permission to be included. So he has a great seminar, which is a very good introduction into analytical psychology and his concepts. It's the called the Travistock Lectures. I think it's from 1935. And here you have letters, which is interesting. And again, essays, introduction to books, and so on articles, a lot of stuff. So this is really miscellaneous. It doesn't have a singular topic. It's like, okay, everything that didn't fit in the other stuff, you will find here. That makes it a little bit difficult because you're constantly jumping between topics. But I thought it was very valuable. I really like the collections. I thought they're easier to digest than the, the big books. So this would be the collected works. But just let me make some space. And I would now move on to stuff that's not in the collected works, but are still works of Jung. One big part of Jung's legacy and stuff he has done is letters. He has written a lot of letters. So these are three books about his letters. They are in chronological order from 1906. So this was, he's born in 1975. Yeah, he was already, I think, a, a professor. It's ended with the end of his life, 1961. So you get again his state of mind in these different epochs of his, of his life. And he has really interesting pen pals. James Joyce is here, which I talked about. Wolfgang Pauli, the famous physicist. Hermann Hesse, Sigmund Freud, of course. A lot of artists, but also like normal people writing them and asking for advice and help and patience of him and so on. So some are animized that you don't know who the person is, but most of them have a name and you have a short description, oh, this is this person. So they're really interesting, again, because he has to keep himself short and he writes about very specific topics and he does it very precisely. Of course, it's difficult to read all these letters because they're disjointed completely and they're often very short, but they're interesting because he's arguing a lot. He really likes to argue. And especially in the latter part of his life, he has this very 
simple introduction where he said, I'm a scientist, I'm an empiricist, I'm not making this stuff up, I'm just describing, I'm not prescribing how things are supposed to be, and so on. He's arguing a lot with people because people are also arguing with him because his stuff is very difficult to get into. He often complains about critics because he said they have not even psychoanalytic background knowledge and they try to argue about his stuff. And he, of course, argues a lot with Christian scholars, especially answer to Job. He made, let's say, a lot of people unhappy in the Christian circles because he tried to do something that was seen as not so good in context of doing psychoanalysis on God was not really perceived so well. Yeah, so a lot of letters, a lot of letters. And here's one book. It's in German, but you can, of course, get it in English. Basically, all of these you can get in two languages, except for some. And it's called C.G. Jung Speaking. And it's about all recorded audio that's available from him. And I think some articles also in here and some speeches he gave. So basically interviews. And you can find some of them on YouTube. There's a very famous one with the BBC. And here's a transcript of it. Here, I like it because I think he's a very good speaker. And when he speaks, he explains the stuff very well. But it's when he's sitting down to write. So back then, there's no easy way to edit stuff. You don't have the software. So you have to basically write everything down with the typewriter. And if you want to change something, I don't know what, what his process was, but it seems like he was more unstructured when he was writing. Then when he was talking, talking, great. I can recommend this book. It's very approachable. It's similar as podcasts in this regard as somebody is just talking and having a conversation and the other person is asking questions and he replies. This is also a very big value point of his seminars because people ask questions and then he has to clarify. And that's very cool. This you don't have in the books because he's just writing as you think he's just writing. And here's a seminar about the psychology of Kundalini Yoga. Uh, not so easy to get this book because the most books are either available through the Philemon Foundation or through Princeton University Press, if you read English, or the, the German one is called, uh, is it Diogenes? I'm not sure right now, but it's just one publishing house, publishing it on, in German. And here it's like a combined seminar that he had with somebody who was really knowledgeable about Eastern symbolism and so on, especially yoga. And he tries to bring it into a psychological context and tries to understand it with individuation. And so you have a little bit of back and forth here also. It's interesting because it's a seminar. And if you're interested in the Eastern stuff, uh, he talks a lot about it, but I'm missing a lot of background knowledge. So I thought more as a way to understand more about Jung. But I think and would be really interested in when somebody knows a lot about yoga and Buddhism and so on. If they would say, yeah, what Jung is talking about, makes sense and he's describing it accurately i think he's describing it accurately but i can't evaluate and there was i think also in the 30s let's see here yeah beginning of the 30s 1933 he had a let's say teaching job again after he stopped teaching with the end of his psychoanalytic years and his friendship with freud years later he started to teach again and it was at eth in zurich which is a famous education facility. And he would have a series of seminars centered around a certain topic. This is first volume. 
It's about the history of modern psychology, which is dry and maybe not so important. You get some stuff of his, but this is really like, okay, where are different ideas coming from and who talked about it first and so on. It's his views, how it all developed. I, I don't know all these very early pioneers of psychology, so I could not evaluate. <laughs> but uh, I think if you're interested in the history of psychology, it could be very helpful. And uh, here is the second volume. It's about consciousness and the unconscious, where he talks about the structure of the psyche and where he lays already a lot of his foundations and talks about it. So this is really students trying to get into psychology. I think also it was open to everyone. Everybody could come at, as long as they could get a seat, but it got very full. I would not say if you want to start with Jung, start with this book. I think they're better ones. The Filament Foundation is publishing these and they are just picking out random ones. For example, the next one is this, number six, which is Psychology of Yoga and Meditation. And he talks again about yoga and a lot of Eastern practices and how it's not fit for the Western mind. And yeah, so I don't know a lot about the Eastern side of the world. So I think a lot of was lost to me. But yeah, if you're interested, I think it should be pretty good. Now I would talk about some most valuable seminars, I think. And if you have to make the decision what to read from Jung, as long as there's dream in there, in the title, get it. It's great. It's amazing. So here's a seminar called Dream Symbols of the Individuation Process. This is about the friendship of Jung and Wolfgang Pauli, uh, who was a troubled, successful physicist uh, who would do therapy with Jung. This was unknown for a very long time because he won a Nobel Prize for physics. So he had a reputation to lose. And Jung talks here about his ideas about individuation, but also dream analysis. And this is really good. This was a very nice read. I really liked it. It's explains how Jung is interpreting dreams because there's a method to it. This is pretty cool. I can highly recommend it. It was a pleasure from beginning till end. Same as the next one. It's called Children's Dreams. It can get a little bit long at times, but here he is again an analyzing dreams, explaining his approach. And with dreams, he can get into a lot of different concepts about his psychology. So you get always very great examples how things are connected, just how his approach is. This is, again, Philemon Foundation. And if it would not be for the Philemon Foundation, these books would not be available. They would be hidden somewhere in notes, in cupboards, or attics, or whatever. So great, amazing. I can highly recommend. They were mostly done very late in his life. The next one was also interesting. Dream Interpretation, Ancient and Modern has a very long introduction for some reason. I think 80, 90 pages is not so thick, but the introduction is very long. Here he had students of his having the task to present different methods of dream interpretation chronologically. So how they've done in the past, Roman times, Greek times, I think even Egyptian times, ancient Egyptian, of course. There would be the presentation of the student and then he would clarify further and set this into context of modern dream interpretation. So it's interesting. So if you're interested in dreams, I think it's pretty great to get a little bit of history and context approach and so on. Not so much Jung talking, 
as I said, it's only these little summaries and criticisms of him in the end. But yeah, I can I can also recommend this was nice. And this is the last book that I read of the books I can highly recommend. It's sadly very expensive. It looks like not so good, <laughs> like crap, really. I got it. I thought somebody is scamming me. This is Dream Analysis, which was a seminar that run for multiple years. And it's great. It goes into everything. It really goes into everything. It's alchemy, astrology, his structure of the psyche, dreams, really comprehensive views. So he talks about the dreams of one patient of his, but the dreams are very short and he talks about it endlessly and gets off on all those tangents. And it's great. I really got out a lot of here. You have to buy it basically. Uh, it's coming from the UK. So if you're in Germany, you have to pay uh, customs. It looks self-printed because it is. You can't get a nice copy of it. I think there's a paperback copy somewhere, but it's only the first part. If you want to have two parts, so everything, you have to get this part back. It costs me, I think, 80 or 90 euros. And it, it looks really not nice. Not so good paper. But the content is amazing. Highly recommend. Then there's another seminar, Good Introduction, C.G. Jung, Analytical Psychology, where he talks about his approach, how he sees psychology and his way of helping patients, of explaining what's happening in the psyche. So this is a practical book. Also, as I said in the very beginning, when he had these visions and started to investigate, he started to write this down into a journal. These journals were called the black books. And then he tried to get the essence from that. And this is the red book hidden for a very long time because he didn't want to have it published because he didn't want to have people saying that he's crazy. It's amazing. It's really great. It's been out now for roughly 10 years and it's nothing like the other books he has done. And I cannot compare it to any other book that I've experienced. It's his dreams recorded, but to have like the essence of his fantasies and dreams and there's like a coherent storyline to it, which is weird. And just reading it gives one very weird experiences. Highly recommend. Difficult to get into. I recommend going into it with some background knowledge on Jung. Otherwise, it could be all too weird. But yeah, it's, it's cool. It's very cool. There's also a very big version. His version was huge. Very big. Bound in red leather. That's why it's called the Red Book. And he worked on it for of roughly 13 years. Only his family and his closest friends knew. He sometimes uses stuff from here in some talks or seminars, but very short stuff. So it was very good from the family of Jung to finally publish it 50 years after his death. The very last two books, I just want to show them because they are scams and that you don't buy them. This one is called The Solar Myth and the Opicionus de Canistris. It's Latin again. This costs 40 euros. And this is only about a talk he gave while sitting on the garden wall about some pictures somebody drew in the Middle Ages. It happened at Eranos, which was a little bit like a conference where people would get all those mythological stuff and so on presented to dig in the past. So talk about all of this. And he would do an impromptu presentation sitting on a garden wall. And it's very short. So there's a lot of filler introduction and so on. There's not so much in it. I couldn't find so much worth of value. So if you wonder, you get here nothing that you would not get somewhere else. And even that is not so much. And then there's this one on psychology 
and visionary art. The title sounds great. There was one guy living in Paris who was going crazy and he was like an artist. So he stayed in an asylum and he wrote down his dreams. He was like waking dreams. This, of course, it's very important for you <laughs> to have something like this happening. So he's analyzed it. And if it would be only the talk, it would be okay. But the talk is very short. So it's kind of schizophrenic, the book, because it's the other way around. You normally you say you have to work, right? Then you have Jung taking notes, then he has the seminar, and then you have an introduction talking about the book or this whole giving background knowledge. The problem is at all the stages, it's always talking about the life of this uh, guy who had the problems about his work. And it's always repeating. It's just repeating, repeating. Did not like it. Do not recommend it. That would be all the books that I'm having laying around here and that I've read. This has not been all the books. So this is my confession. So it's not really all the books. There's some missing. There's two very big seminars. One is called Visions. It's 1,700 pages. The other one is a seminar about Nietzsche's Zarathustra, which is also, I think, 1,500 pages. Was not able yet to get into it. Incredibly expensive. If you want to get Visions, it's 500 euros or something like that. It's crazy. And otherwise, basically books with letters. I guess they're interesting. Yeah, he has interesting pen pals. But if you have this book with a collection of his letters i think you already covered most of them as they are already printed there the only thing that might be interesting is there's one book about the letters from jung and freud and they were meant to be published only 50 years or later after his death because they were incredibly personal he was really a close friend to freud he didn't want to get this out too early so he said it can be published, but only long after I'm dead. So that nobody who has been involved and talked about is still alive or even their children. So this could still be an interesting book. But yeah, that would be it. This is a basis that I'm using for these events to talk about Jung and explain the concepts. All the stuff that I'm talking about in the events is with a reference in all these books. It took me a very long time. Took me over two and a half years, I think, to read through all of this by reading daily 20 pages. Interesting journey, but a lot of lot of material. I hope this was a little bit entertaining, even though that it might sound a little dry to talk about all the books. But I think it gives a really good feeling about the topics that Jung talked about. And also, I hope I could give you a recommendation where to start to get to know these topics better. This was this event's topic. Thanks for tuning in. Doing an event, a discussion part follows after the presentation where all attendees discuss the just presented topic or other Jungian concepts. If you also want to join, find the group on meetup.com. The name of the group is CG Jung Helpdesk. Also make sure to subscribe to the podcast on the platform of your choice. See you next time.